This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Ahmad Fuad Rahman. Welcome to Night School, the show that explores key themes in history, the social sciences and the humanities. We critically unpack theories, frameworks and social phenomena, the better to understand how society works. Each week, we discuss a classic text, theme or an idea that we hope to shed light on the world around you. We're going to talk about Malaysian youths and politics and joining us to do that today is a very exciting panel comprised of three different perspectives on the matter. And we are going to largely discuss the key questions and issues that have come up out of Merdeka Centre's uh, recent extensive survey of political sentiments among Malaysian youths. And uh, joining us to do that is, uh, first and foremost, Merdeka Centre's research associate, Ehsan Shawahid. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Fuad. We also have Selangor DAP's treasurer, Shakir Amir. He is also a city councillor. Welcome to the show as well. Thank you, Mr. Fuad. (laughs) And last but not least is Victoria Cheng, Programme Manager for Project Dialogue. Uh, Recently graduated, but also actively involved in engaging with youth discourses through Project Dialogue's various forums. Welcome to the show, Vic. Hi, Fuad. Hello. So just to set the tone for the discussion, why not we get some insights on the study itself? So Isan, maybe you can summarize some of the key findings uh, of the study and why you think this is noteworthy. Thank you, Fuad. Okay, I'll start with the study which we had early in August, actually. So this is a public opinion survey, and the focus and the topic of the study is mainly on youth. And from Merdeka Centre, when it comes to our youth engagement, it's not just only this study. We've also conducted several workshops and also some kind of focus group discussions over the years and also once in a while some public forums. For this particular discussion, my focus will be on the youth survey 2017. As I said, the survey was held in the first week of August with 604 respondents, mainly in Peninsular Malaysia. And the, when it comes to the sampling, it is basically representative to the population, mainly on the ethnic and the constituency grounds. So I'll first touch on the main aspect of the study, which one of the most important part is for us to understand on the overall national direction and the concerns of the youth. So when I say about the national direction, generally we notice that the youth is having some sense of a more negative view when it comes to the overall national direction. 57% of the youth surveyed say that they see the direction of the country is moving more towards the negative direction rather than in the right track. And when we look into what's the reason for this, mainly the youth address the issues of more on economic concerns. This relates to high cost of living, mm-hmm. difficulties in jobs, and also inflation and matters related to the economy. So addressing this, when we ask also on the main concerns of the youth, it is also consistent as they see the main concern of the youth at the current time touches a lot on uh, the economy. We tested a bit more deeper when it comes to a few main topics, uh, themes, I mean, related to the economy. So their own economic condition is an example. 56% of the respondents say that their current economic condition is actually getting worse if you want to compare to one year ago. And they address the issue for, of jobs, especially. And when it comes to wages, 86% of the population say that their wage is rather low. And 74% of them, they are quite worried with their current financial situation. So what's interesting about this is that it shows what I think people suspect, that the youth in general are not feeling very optimistic, they're not feeling very recognised by the system, and they feel economically alienated. But key here is their attitude towards the opposition, which I find very interesting, because they're saying that 
okay, life is tough, but they're also at the same time cynical about the options that they have. Can you expand on that a bit more? I would not say that their views in general about the opposition because we did not test the question on their exact views on the opposition. But if we relate this to their views on the government, their ratings or their their views on their own satisfaction towards the government is also rather low. Only 66% say that they see the performance of the government as satisfying. And when it comes to their dissatisfaction, mainly, again, it is job is the main concern. 56% say that they are not satisfied with how the government is dealing in creating new jobs. On top of that, Corruption is also an, an important concern as 69% say that the government was not able to deal with the issues related to corruption. So that would relate to mm-hmm. previous current issues like 1MDB and a lot of other issues before. However, when it comes to their performance on government's views, there are some positive aspects such as they see the government was able to ensure public safety, ensure peace and development in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get on to the other panellists, just a quick note on the methodology. Mm-hmm. Did you get these results from phone calls, from random visits at houses? Paint a picture of how the survey was conducted. Okay. For this particular survey, uh, we used the phone call interview mm-hmm. method and to h- make sure that we reach... And how long is a phone call typically? Usually, it's between 15 minutes. Oh, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Ah, yeah. okay. Interesting. So, Vic, you've heard a summary of the study. What stands out to you? Were you surprised at any of it? No, I'm not surprised at all. And actually, I think it reflects a lot. When when I found out about uh, that, that I had to do this interview, I spoke to some friends in my university. And a lot of what they said reflected Esan's uh, statistics as well. So a lot of them are very pessimistic about the future of Malaysian politics because they feel like it's a broken record. It's mm-hmm. repetitive, it's redundant, it's immature, it's shallow, it's uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends are actually more interested in international politics rather than local politics. Mm-hmm. They find international politicians so much more charismatic, more eloquent. Even the bad guys have more depth and complexity to them. <laughs> Whereas over here, Malaysian politics is so flat. And there is no exploration of racial and religious tension, any of these things. So it doesn't entice them. Yeah, and or it could be a kind of emotional distancing, right? When you're too yes. invested in local politics, it's too close for comfort and you feel that it enrages you a lot more. But whereas maybe in international politics, you can kind of distance yourself because it impacts <laughs> you directly less. I mean, I'm just thinking one of the reasons. Perhaps but, maybe yeah. it's an escape of sorts. But there are also other issues like they feel local politicians also... Everything, this is what they say, everything a local politician here dresses like, speaks like, acts like, what they do, screams disconnect. Mm. And uh, it, it can be the way they dress, can be their background, educational background, or even what they do or say. And, and they feel like, um, even I, for example, I do feel that politicians tend to, I get it that a politician's job is to make an impression. So part of making an impression is to speak like, you know what, you know, you know what you're doing. You know, you have all the facts and statistics. You, you're, you're here to convince people and persuade people. That makes sense. But when you're too concerned about making an impression, you forget to practice deep listening. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's what the youth are sort of frustrated about. And uh, I personally feel like politicians talk more than they, than they do listen. Mm-hmm. And the work you do is largely through Project Dialogue to engage with youth. And I want to hear your insights about that more later. But since... Some, I guess, criticisms have been leveled to politicians. We are thankful and lucky to have one in the studio with us. What are your thoughts on this from a young politician's perspective? 
Well, basically, as you mentioned, <coughs> it's a very interesting point when you mentioned about youths being more interested in international politics. I guess it's okay because, you know, the age of the internet, you know, everyone is somehow connected nowadays. Mm-hmm. You have the social media and all that. At the end of the day, I think the international politicians have set a certain standard. And maybe it's because the democracy in those countries are more mature compared to here. Mm-hmm. To be honest, okay, a lot of things have happened since 2008. For the first time ever, after 50 years, we had like one, four states. Of course, then 2013, we retained two. Okay, and <coughs> you can see a lot of things have changed. Okay. When Selangor was taken over and Penang was taken over, it was there was a hope of a new kind of governance. So there were new policies implemented. Like for Selangor, we talked about free water for the lower income group. And then we have welfare aid. We mm-hmm. pushed it. Penang had a welfare aid, you know, for, for school children, mainly that catered to the B40 as well as the OKU mm-hmm. for both Penang and Selangor. And there are a lot of other welfare programs. Yeah, but why the disconnect though? It's a separate question from what the parties have done because the youths are not getting the message or the perception isn't formed properly. So, and it'll be interesting to get your perspective as well because you're a relatively young person. You joined in the party in your, in your late 20s in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're about 34 right now. So you do inhabit the youth discourse while at the same time having a foot in the party itself. Do you feel the disconnect or is it, or is it a matter of n- not getting the message right or not having access to media why do you think the disconnect happens okay to be honest partially is also access to media as well because at the end of the day whether you like it or not when it comes to engaging with the public in general we are not only talking about urban youth we are talking about youth all over the country including rural areas not all of them even have astro they still watch rely on tv3 on tv2 which never covers anything about the opposition not even a neutral news on the opposition it's either something negative about the opposition or none at all. Okay, that's one. But we find ways to engage also. <clears throat> For me, as a DAP guy, from my own personal experience, Lim Kit Siang is 76. And he, until now, despite his age, he still asks us methods and tries to come up with ideas together with us. He wants to brainstorm with us. Mm-hmm. He takes the initiative to brainstorm with us on how to get the youths engaged with us or even join us for that matter to participate in democratic practices. Yes, I understand. At the end of the day, youths are expecting more nowadays. Expectations is getting higher and higher, especially after, the, you know, when nowadays you follow the international politics mm-hmm. and all that. You can see that, oh, you know, these guys, uh, they have various other ways of engaging and youths are more interested. The most notable one was the French presidency, the French presidential election, where a lot of youths played their part. And from what we can gather, the youths are expecting something different as mm-hmm. well from us, from us or in politics in general. And we work our very best to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Is there any form of disconnection? Maybe... It's very minimal because we take a lot of effort, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We do. On the Medeka Centre side, what explains the disconnect? What theories do you have to kind of understand why is it that the youth feel alienated? Okay, I think sometimes you can talk about youth alienation from the political system. But I'd like to first continue a good point, which I think Shakir had mentioned, mainly about democratic maturity. So because we know that over the past few years, there have been new calls. Some people are talking about 
reducing the age of voters to 18. There are also some groups calling for automatic registration. But from our finding, which is I think important for us to note, as mentioned by Victoria as well, on the political interests. Okay, our findings show that only. 30% of youth surveyed say that they have some kind of interest in politics. 70% say that they are not interested in politics. And even more, when it comes to their own political efficacy, 71%, which is quite a big majority, say that they don't have any influence in politics. They think that politics is complicated. So understanding this situation, how does it explain about if we want to push further our democratic situation using laws and legal approaches in encouraging the youth towards more democratic and political participation, is that actually what the youth wants? So if even though if you try to push this further in one way, if that is not the case based on what the youth actually wanted, that may not actually come up with the outcome which we are hoping for. Continuing further from Shakir's view on the views on politicians, 54% say that politicians don't care about the youth. 66% say that the politicians cannot be trusted. 65% say that politicians are actually the main problem to the politics and maybe democracy. So, one way is try to address the youth. The other way is we need to address our politicians mm-hmm. on how actually they should address the situation on youth and politics. That's a really interesting point because you point out two key factors in the disconnect, right? One is youth sentiment. The other part is also what is it that the politicians are doing or not doing that's giving them, I guess, yeah. negative perception or negative yeah. reputations, right? So let's uh, unpack those themes a lot more in the second part of the show, but let's take a break. For now, I'm Ahmad Fawad Rahmat, joined by Isan Shawahid, Shakir Amir, Victoria Cheng to talk about Malaysian youth and their political attitudes. And this is Night School on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, I'm Ahmad Fawad Rahmat, joined this week by Isan Shawahid, Shakir Amir and Victoria Cheng to talk about Malaysian youth and their political attitudes. And the first part of the show, we went over the Merdeka Centre study which is extensive and very eye-opening for the insights it provides on why it is that Malaysian youth feel uh, alienated and why it is that they feel a disconnect from politicians. But the interesting thing about the work that the three of you do is that it's directly linked to youth attitudes because Merdeka Centre does trainings, talks. DAP has called democracy, which is really about targeting youth and making them more politically aware and mature. Project Dialogue has its forums as well, right? So let's talk about that element, the things that you've learned from these engagements. And Vic, is it true, right, that Malaysian youth are politically or democratically immature, that they're not quite aware? And that's one of the reasons why there is this sense of alienation. I think I first want to create a distinction between uh, what Essan and Shakir were talking about. So I agree with Shakir that a lot of politicians now are doing a lot of programs for the youth and there could be a possibility that the youth might not seem as appreciative or as aware about it. And Essan was talking about the fact that youth still feel that distance with mm-hmm. politicians and that sometimes youth feel that politics is complicated. So this is how I feel would explain why uh, youth still don't seem maybe democratically or politically mature enough. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I think they are very aware. Youths are very aware of their rights, what oppression means, what marginalisation means. Uh, lots of youths already know it because of the age of the internet. What they probably are not as savvy enough about is probably 
the more complicated intricacies of statecraft, mm-hmm. policy making, foreign policy, elections. You know, it, it sounds a bit all too complicated. And when a politician stands on stage and talks about all these things, gets you know, he's just regurgitating facts and numbers and figures at the crowd. Like, look what I did in this area. These are all the statistics. I reduced crime rate. It just goes over their heads, and it's just uninteresting, and it doesn't connect. And mm-hmm. again, I think it just really boils down to deep listening. Yeah. And you really want to hear about, okay, that's great and all, but what are you really doing about bullying mm-hmm. of maybe gender non-conforming students? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one's saying anything about it. Are you going to make a statement about discrimination against women in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Again, a politician is probably just going to come up with more facts and numbers. Mm-hmm. And these are this this is my progress report. This is what I've done. Mm-hmm. But not so much sitting down and really talking as friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, a politician represents the opinions of the people. And I feel in Project Dialogues forums, this is a very great platform for such things to happen, mm-hmm. such conversations. Because when we invited recently a political figure in our forum, it was called um, The Future Malay Nationalism. And, and one of the uh, speakers was actually Amno Youth Executive, uh, Zaidal Baharudin. And it was so different from the usual Amno Taramas or other sort of talks that he gives. Mm-hmm. Because this time, he's no longer trying to make an impression. Mm-hmm. This time, he's playing by our rules. We are posing him the questions. We are asking him to think critically and to give his honest opinions and thoughts right, about right. such things. Which Quote-unquote humanizes him, yes, right? Yes, it humanizes not, he's him. not just another picture on a wall or a picture on a flag or poster. Yes, right? yeah. and it gives an opportunity for the crowd to actually ask him much more simplistic, much more everyday sort mm-hmm. of questions. And it forces him to switch to a different mode and answer differently, mm-hmm. which is so much more refreshing, so much more... You know, it's. Yeah, he's not trying to be strategic. He's not trying to yes, be like. it's not. Know, it's not about winning votes himself. here anymore. Right, and, right. and it's so interesting because a lot of his answers would actually contradict what he would normally say yeah. in his usual forums. I think that is what people are really looking for. We want to see the human side of things. We want to feel that we're really being listened to. Yeah, and and that's the thing that you get maybe in more advanced democracies in the sense that yes, there is a proximity. Granted, it could be performed, it could be fake, but they do that deeper connection aspect of things yes. much more effectively maybe yeah. and I like the distinction you draw between on one hand having political knowledge right having knowing facts and figures yes. and on the other hand making a, a connection because you can have facts and figures and not necessarily making a connection right mm. in the same way that you could have a lot of information and still be indifferent right people might know about global affairs but they might feel uninvested right so yes. that's the nuancing that that we have to do. But I know that DAP is actively trying to recruit youth because I know you do a lot of programs, Scholar Democracy, for example, and you got them punk rockers to come and talk. You have like notable writers to come and talk. And you're really trying to get youth and you have successfully gotten a lot of youth figures like Rara maybe, Diana Sophia, you know, who can connect at that level. So what's been that experience? Is there a narrative that's different from maybe what Merdeka Centre is showing? Because Merdeka Centre show a macro picture. Is there stories from micro instances that shows, you know, there is slow but steady progress with youths? Okay. I want to share a little bit on uh, Scholar Democracy. I think some listeners may not know what is Scholar Democracy, also known as SECDEM. So far, we have like around 600 alumni of SECDEM. And it doesn't matter what's the background. Even if you are a past member or AMNO member, if you want to join, you can just join. It's very interesting because the participants, usually every session there will be around 30 participants and they will be divided 
according to ideologies maybe but then it won't be very uh, textbook type of ideologies it'll be like based on pirate names and all and then you get your points and through the points for each group you can through the points it's your seats mm. the number mm. of seats so you can negotiate with another group mm-hmm. so it's very interesting and then you'll have your debates on various topics and it'll be very interesting topics also at the same time mm. this is to test the skills of how you debate mm-hmm. these are all done in a very small scale and 600 is a lot for a recent world. how old is some of them say 4 years maybe 4 years yeah. 5 years yeah. yeah and i was one of the batches back mm-hmm. in 2013 mm-hmm. just join for fun you know i want to learn new things it doesn't matter what's your position in the party also mm-hmm. it doesn't matter your professional background or whatsoever you are free to join anybody can join even married men with children mm-hmm. also join they want to learn mm-hmm. they all want to learn and most of the participants i would say 70% are malay 80% are malay mm-hmm. mostly university students or even professionals they just want to go and learn and try something different and it's very interesting until now we have a whatsapp group maximum in each whatsapp group is around 250 people so we have separate whatsapp <laughs> groups and all that so you can communicate you can share info and all that yeah. and you can even dispute each other not everybody yeah. has to agree with each other so instances like that or even project dialogues forums like mm. uh Vic, before we've done it in para or malacca right there's a yeah. lot of interest in discussing and debating you know yes, without yes. regards to which politician or party wins or questions like that seem secondary to the fact that people want to be heard and they want to voice their opinions you know yes i think this is largely due to the fact that the majority of malaysians are very suppressed mm-hmm. and repressed in terms of voicing freedom of expression is is very limited in mm-hmm. this country so when people feel repressed in in voicing their opinions they will seek out discourse much more mm-hmm. and they will appreciate it much more which mm-hmm. was the case in ibu melaka and can i just ask shakir sekolah demokrasi how different is it from mua and correct me if i'm wrong i'm guessing this is more localized it's very localized mm-hmm. because it's uh we are sharing things on our own lifestyle malaysian context nothing to do with uh, of course certain models we uh, even on mistaken the creators of this they picked up maybe from certain models overseas i think if i'm not mistaken uh germany if mm. i'm not mistaken i'm not sure actually or one of the scandinavian countries but then we localize it the content mm. and uh, make it as interesting as possible and there are always ways we always find ways the coordinators will always find ways to make things interesting as well mm. on how to engage more what interesting topics to talk about and uh, to make it more lively and not boring you know mm-hmm. there are various ways in doing it mm. everything we do is on a trial and error basis there is no right or wrong method to mm-hmm. be honest mm-hmm. yeah yeah because yeah. it's a new demographic yeah, we don't know what the youths yes. are really seeking and asking mm-hmm. and this is where i want to get Essan's mm-hmm. opinion in that we see a generational gap obviously play out right so on one hand do i see you have the reformacy generation and when i bring this up to my students who are 19 and 20 they almost have no knowledge of it i mean they know of it as a kind of footnote to what happened in the 90s but it's not really the mainstream narrative to them about what malaysia is like and then before that you had the lalang generation who still waiting for their turn in power let's be let's be honest about it and you have also 2008 generation maybe you and me right who, who are trying to we're speaking in these terms in terms of human rights freedom of expression more vocally and then mahadev sanli enters into the picture complicates things right so give us your sense of how these different narratives are part of the problem in a sense they're not necessarily talking to each other right and this just adds more confusion for somebody who's young and trying to understand the world of malaysian politics yeah for i think there's also an, a very important and also interesting thing for us to note as we notice that when it comes to the current leaders they belong to different generations some of them are quite young some of them i think most of them are quite 
are senior and they belong to the previous generation. How does this actually impact the current interest and participation of youth? That is something which it is important for us to take note. I would give an example. You mentioned about the Operasi Lalang. At that time, there's quite strong confrontation between the government and also those who doesn't belong to the establishment. And then if we go further with the reformacy generation, I think that is also a very important phase of the development of Malaysian politics. That was the time when discussion and discourse about democracy, about human rights, about social justice, all these matters have surfaced and took grounds in the Malaysian, uh, Malaysian public and also the youth. I also at that time, even though I was still during my schooling time, uh, those discussions set some kinds of political ideals which later more or less affects our political views and aspiration. However, what is important, I think, for especially the current politician is to really understand the current views and the current needs of the youth. You mentioned that the political concerns may be different from one generation to another and maybe Ideas such as democracy, human rights, which were quite catchy before, may not necessarily be catchy now. Mm-hmm. And to touch about what Shakir also mentioned about the approach of DAP now having their own democracy education schools and also classes, which I think other parties also in a way have their own types of education classes, is perhaps mm-hmm. one of the way forward, but maybe needs to be done in a lot more wider scale. Meaning to say that politics is not just about talking about the right ideals about what should be or winning votes right? winning votes not mainly just only about manifestos that was the case before yes, political yes. parties will always <laughs> talk about manifestos without so much encouraging the direct engagement part which you understand one another and mm-hmm. from there you can understand on what are the things which you can put forward you can push forward and try to bring the youth to be part of it Mm-hmm. be part of it not just telling what you want to do but how to make the youth themselves be part of the process and and take the lead mm-hmm. on the agenda which we want to bring forward Yeah, can youths really be a significant part of the party process Shakir because yes on one hand let's take the example of your party you do see these young figureheads and icons come up but on the other hand people say that it's still dynastic in the sense that it's tied to certain senior figures and that things can't really change until they are open to it or they're ready for it. So with that in mind, what do you tell people who are cynical about party politics with good reasons, right? I mean, you're a realistic person yourself. They look at this and they go, well, is there really freedom of expression in a party where the culture isn't necessarily mature and there's still a lot of these hierarchies built into it? What do you say to cynics about youth being involved in party politics? Sometimes I try to, when I engage with the youth at a certain program or forum, I tell them why I joined DAP in the first place. A lot of people have asked me, hey, it's a Chinese-dominated party. Why are you in that party? You are a mama. I'm like, for me, I look at it this way. I believe in a policy-oriented party. DAP may have a certain majority race in the party, but that doesn't mean that it's a race-based party or whatsoever. It is just that, unfortunately, since those days, they have been painted as such. But for me, before I join a certain political party, I go through, I see what, what the, how the party works, operates and all. 
and I get to know some of the leaders. So, you know, I, I have the opportunity to get to know some people and also I decided, you know what, I'm going to join this party. It's policy oriented because they are always finding ways on how to make things better for Malaysians. No, but I think going back to the more basic yeah. question, like, mm. do I really need to join a party to be involved? Like I, as in, I'm just thinking of the hypothetical youth, right? To make a difference, right? What does joining a party add? Okay. For me, you are free to join any party. Okay. We have our ideology. We have our struggles as a party. Eh? But at the end of the day, everything is for the benefit of Malaysians. So we share the idea with them. At the end of the day, it's still up to them whether they want to join mm-hmm. us or not. Whether they want to be a card-carrying member or just support us. Where mm-hmm. they can, yeah. but uh, Shakir, how do you address criticisms from some youth, uh, some of some of the people I talk to, that they say that politics is, uh, I mean, the the origins of a government and, and why politics even exists in the first place was for good intentions and democracy was also established because of that. But that's the wonderful and terrible thing about democracy. So when you think about entering a party, or when they see someone else enter a party they become very cynical because they feel, okay, now you have good intentions, now you want to represent the interests of the people, but once you enter the party, because of democracy, because any interest is valid, any opinion is valid, therefore, the one with the money wins. So the wealthiest embodiment of interest would then start to lead or the, the more influential because there's the pol- politics outside the party system there's also yes. politics within the it the external right, influences is what youths are worried about which would ultimately direct and lead the party's interests and no longer the interests of the people so this is another thing that youths are afraid of in terms of them joining a party becoming a politician or seeing someone else join a party and become a politician they are afraid this kind of thing is going to happen okay thank you for the question Vic mm. to be honest we do have our Every year we have National Delegates Conference mm. where you can voice out all you want. Media also will cover. So if there's any of our leaders that get criticised, also they will cover that. Of course, for certain divisional levels also, almost every you know, every six months there will be gatherings mm-hmm. for the members to address whatever latest issues. Like, okay, like Lim Kit Siang takes the initiative to meet branch leaders from maybe Slang or KL, get that one place. And then they will address mm-hmm. whatever political development that is going on. And at the same time, basically this is more of a very grassroots politics. Mm-hmm. And members have every right to voice out their frustrations. Mm-hmm. And then maybe in Malacca also, Malacca there was a, there was a certain situation in Malacca earlier in the year, you know, where some aduns also left. So there was a bit of an issue there. <clears throat> so Lim Kichang went straight Turon Padang went and met the grassroots talked to them about the situation what is happening here from them as well All right. I want to add the part on an interesting question on whether should you join a party or should not which I think if you go through over the past several years mainly after 2008 until 2013 within that five years I think Malaysia has actually felt that that was one of the time where political interest was really high and there was also a lot of increase when it comes to youth participation and interest in politics and of course politicians which is i think that it's not something to be surprised of took that opportunity to mobilize more of the activities and ideas however i'm not sure whether this thing is something planned strategized and realized by the politician by having new members coming in joining the party it also creates new expectations so mainly the main question is you want the youth to join and what do you expect the youth role and part in the party because I think over the past few years mainly after 2013 when there's new people joining in 
how much activities or programs or what is actually the role of the youth in the party itself was not too clear. Are they going to have like new roles, new positions, new say, new allocation of seats? And it's not unusual that they join, they get a bright spark in their reputation for a year and then they fade. Exactly. We don't hear from them all year exactly. too, right? It's yeah. not unusual. Yeah. Vic, yes. I think it's easy to bash politicians and political parties as well. So the question then that I always get or I always consider when we think about this is, what would be the better alternative, right? Because the system is such that it's already established for for so long that the only way to change it is from the inside and that part of the difficulties that we've brought up is the compromise we have to make for the longer term goal, right? Because it's easier to, uh, especially, you know, I, I was young before once and I had so much expectations, my ideals were so high and we could just pinpoint the mistakes that politicians make without really realizing how difficult it is, right? Because at the end of the day, of to change policy, you have to make laws and to make laws, you have to be in parliament and to get there, there's a price that you have to pay, right? So what, what would you say to that realistic account of change? Okay, this I will have to draw from my own personal experience of being a Padana Fellow. I don't know how, how much I can say, but I'm just going to say it. We were all youths and we were all recruited into the program and everything seems optimistic at first. We were all very idealistic. We were all, we can make a change. Something good is going to come out of this program of our six weeks or, or something. And when we were brought into our respective offices and therefore the system, as time went by, we started to feel that the system was so vast, so layered, so complex, that it's going to be very difficult for a group of individuals, let alone one, to make changes within. And even then, uh, even if you can be that one good minister who is doing good stuff, the process, the procedure, the protocol is so slow moving that it's very hard to reach there. It takes years for even something to be discussed properly about because there's so many other departments, so many other bills to listen to. And as youth, being impressionable, being idealistic, we were slowly, I felt we were slowly being pulled into this uh, whirlpool of this glitz and glamour, climbing the social ladder. Everybody became really ambitious. Everybody wanted to be at the top. Everybody wanted to be someone influential. Dog eat dog. Uh. Ha- have a business name card and have a blog and website about themselves. Everybody was looking towards that. And I started to feel like this wasn't the actual reason why youths had to be here. It, it's mm-hmm. Our minds are so impressionable and therefore easy, easy to mould mm-hmm. in, in that sense. I'm going to give you all this, this glitz and glamour and you know blind you with it and... Eventually, I, I became disillusioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I eventually finished my program there, I felt like the system is just going to be like yeah. this for a long time and yeah. people are just going to buy into that. And I mean, maybe the problem is knowing too much about politics and that you become really <laughs> anxious and really discouraged. Not that you don't know enough, but you know too much of what actually yeah. happens. But fortunately, that's the time we have today. I hope that we got a good sample of the different perspectives. But I want to give each of you concluding thoughts, right? Time yeah. for concluding remarks. But... We don't have that much time. We're really at the at the edge of the show. So maybe 15 seconds each just to summarize your key takeaway on the issue. Yeah. Who wants to start? I think I'll just start with knowing that the current young generation needs new hope. There is a need for a new political narrative. 
among those active players in politics. And one thing which is quite different to previous elections, moving to the next elections, I think in some way the politicians themselves need to find ways to learn between one another. I mean from BN, what they can learn from Pakatan. From Pakatan, what can they learn from BN? BN maybe can learn on the new ideas and narrative. Pakatan or the opposition need to find ways to learn on how can we actually work together in different multi-parties. Mm-hmm. So I think that could provide a new way forward which can attract more interest from the youth. Mm-hmm. We are always finding ways to solve people's problems and engage with youth. We are always open to new ideas. Yes, certain bureaucracies, especially in governance, can be challenging, I agree. But we have always been finding various methods in engaging and we will we will never stop. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, politics play a major role also. Whether you have a seat or not, we still have to voice out. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, I have one final point to add and this to me I feel is the most important point to me and I actually didn't have time to ask Esan about whether his survey uh, took into account the gendered perspective as well of youth because I honestly feel that the discursive space for women to enter politics and talk about politics even amongst friends in university at a cafeteria it's mostly dominated by men the spaces so there's either men explaining going on or a hippie thing going on a woman gives a point but it's ignored and a man repeats it and he gets applauded you know things like that happen and I feel like the aggression and hyper masculinity that goes into talking about politics is still very much dominated by men and it starts to alienate mm. women as well okay interesting yeah. just a short response then sure. yes the survey is based on it's a controlled 50-50 which okay. more or less represents the overall population Male and female. Just one final point which okay. I think is important to make. Even though we are knowing that the election is, is around the corner, but there's still opportunity to register as new voters, mm-hmm. which I think we can talk, we can complain, we can do a lot of things. There are a lot of limitations of what we can do. But with the, still the opportunity to vote, to affect decision making, I think that you should take at least this opportunity. And on that point, we shall wrap up. But before that, how do we get in touch with you? Do you have Twitter accounts, uh, handles? that listeners can reach. Okay, yeah, you can tweet me at Shakir Amir, S-H-A-K-I-R-A-M-E-E-R. Okay. Yeah. I have Facebook, Ehsan Shah Wahid. Uh, I'm not so active on Twitter, but for more direct communication, you can just email me at ehsan at merdeka.org. Okay. I can be reached at victoria at projectdialogue.com. I do not have Twitter or Instagram. I'm a weird youth. Okay, and, <laughs> but they can follow Project Dialogue's Instagram. Yes, you can follow well. Project Dialogue's yeah. Instagram as well. For our events. Thanks so much for yeah. sharing your Thank time you and your insights. Um, Thanks you, you can email the show, bfmnightschool.gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook. Uh, just type BFM Night School on the search space and you'll find the page. Or download our app at the Apple App Store and Google Play. Once again, I'm Ahmad Fat Rahma and this is Night School on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.